that ability to endure failure is something that I take with me every day. I actually look for it. I look to fail. You know, if I'm starting something new or I have an idea or some type of business venture or whatever the case may be, I'm hoping I mess it up because I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to be better going forward. And so I think that is the probably, I mean, there's so many skills, but that to me is like right up there with the most important things that I've taken away from basketball. Welcome back to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellert. What would you do if you were suddenly on a flight to Japan for two years and you didn't know the language, culture, or anyone in the area? You would probably feel overwhelmed. For today's guest, Malcolm Lemons, the cultural assimilation was eased by a common goal, professional basketball. After excelling for Niagara University and Cal State San Marcos, the NBA draft loomed not far ahead. When Lemons was faced with an opportunity to play professional basketball in Japan, he hopped on a flight from Dulles to Osaka, Japan. This was his first time leaving the United States, and he was not prepared for the culture shift. Having that opportunity, you know, coming from a small school and having an opportunity to go play overseas, um, you know, not a lot of uh, athletes get that. And so um, the opportunity to go to Japan came right before I graduated. I had a coach who came um, to see me play one practice and really thought, you know, he was going over to Japan to coach and thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to come over there with him. Um, and it was the first, you know, uh, deal that I got to go play overseas. And so I was like, it's on the table. Why pass it up? You know, if it's, if it's a given. So that's kind of how the whole Japanese situation worked. Um, but getting over there was a completely different, uh, you know, animal. I, my first couple of weeks out there, I didn't have a bed. Um, didn't have AC, didn't have Wi-Fi, was hardly getting paid any money, had to walk to practice. So it was a complete disaster from the get-go, um, mainly because the general manager had gotten sick. Um, so he was in the hospital. And once that happened, like everything was kind of in disarray. But I tell everybody all the time, like even though that experience wasn't what I expected it to be, um, and I ended up coming home early, it taught me how to survive more than anything else. Like not really having, um, you know, any guidance of being in a different country, not knowing the culture, not knowing the language, but having to figure out everything on your own. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I feel like you could put me anywhere on this planet and I'm gonna be all right because of that experience. The first team he played for, Ashia Gaiken, made him realize just how unprepared for overseas play his college basketball experience had left him. There needs to be more transparency around what it takes to really play overseas and some of the things that uh, athletes don't think about when getting over there, you know, aside from the language barrier and the cultural differences, um, things such as like, how do you, how do you get Wi-Fi? How do you um, get cable? How do you like just little stuff that you kind of overlook being from here and then going to a different country to live for nine months out of the year. I think just little stuff that uh, players might not understand or struggle with throughout their first couple of years. Um, some of that, I think, could be, you know, mitigated with um, maybe like a union or a body like that, that kind of has um, some support or resources when it comes to making that transition overseas. Because like for me personally, as you said, it was my first time being over there. So everything I had to figure out on my own, whereas guys who've been over there for like five plus years, they start to get the hang of it, but um, could have saved themselves a lot of time and, and headache if they known some of the things starting off. So 
um, I would I would like to see some type of organization or um, you know group of people who are kind of supporting athletes who are going overseas making that transition um, you know when they're when they're out there alone it's really kind of hard for the for the student athlete for the um, administrative administration to provide that support and those resources to players who have already moved on or graduated so um, I think it's a tough dynamic. Um, I mean, in, in most cases, like these players have their agents, um, which can do a lot of that work as well. But if you don't have, you know, uh, if you don't sign with a big agency or have an agent who can give you that attention, um, it's really hard. So, you know, me, I went through three or four agents during my, my professional basketball career. And when I was overseas, I maybe talked to most of them once or twice. And so, they're not really giving you that support or guidance. So it's hard to say where it can really come from. Um, but ideally, I think it would be perfect if there was like um, a group of former players or a former player who kind of started that and understands the ropes. Um, and I also think every sport is different. You know, basketball, I think, might be a little bit different um, going overseas than, than soccer. So um, there's a ton of different, you know, factors that kind of play. And it's very hard to kind of figure out um, who's going to provide that sport, support. How do you do it? Um, and what resources might be required for any particular sport. Lemus's difficulty adjusting to Japanese culture was eased slightly by his teammates, most of whom spoke fluent Japanese. I had fantastic teammates when I was over there. Uh, my first year, it was me, um, two other Americans, a uh, guy from Brazil, and the rest were Japanese. And they were all young, too. They were, they were I think they were younger than us. Um, and so, I mean, we obviously had that in common and there was some synergy there and, um, you know, we would try to teach them uh, English and they would teach us Japanese and they would try to immerse us in the culture a little bit. Um, and the same thing my second year, I think it was me, two other Americans and the rest of the team were like young Japanese players. I think we had the youngest team in uh, the league. They were all rookies. So these were basically kids who were playing at the professional level. Um, but, you know, it was it was fun being over there with them and trying to teach them some of, you know, my culture and them doing the same. When Lemons was signed to a different team, the Tokyo Sink Reeves, he began to recognize that his brand didn't mesh with the style of basketball being played in Japan. It was at that point that he began to ponder his life away from the sport. My first book actually happened by mistake. Um, I was overseas my second year and up until that point, my, you know, as I said before, my uh, professional basketball career had been very unstable and nothing like I imagined. And so coming back home, going back overseas, coming back home, having to work jobs that I hated to support myself because I wasn't making millions of dollars overseas, um, I still had to live. Um, and so going through that process and then having the opportunity to go back overseas, um, you know, in the middle of the season where we weren't playing any games. I had a lot of time on my hands, um, still didn't have Wi-Fi at the time. So I had a computer in front of me and having all this time. I mean, my mind was just all over the place because I'm thinking to myself, like if basketball is taken out of the picture again, if this is my last year playing, what am I going to be doing with my life? Because I didn't have a game plan. I never really thought about life after sports or, you know, what I wanted to be doing. And so, I mean, I really just started journaling. I started to just type as a means of like therapy and reflection and trying to figure my life out. Um, and to make a long story short, I was sharing some of that with other people. 
Um, and some people, you know, felt like I had an inspiring story. I had been through a lot of ups and downs in order to become a professional athlete. And I, you know, people suggested that I write a book and I never had aspirations to become an author. Um, never thought writing would be something that would open up any doors for me, but I really thought about my story and how can I use my story as inspiration to another athlete who might go through the similar things because I wish I would have had some guidance in some, of those, in some of those situations that I went through. His first book, Lessons from the Game, was written in Japan and opened the door for Lemons to speak on his experiences with culture shock and assimilation. For season three, Lemons was slated to play for a team in Morocco, but life came at him fast. Going into that, that third season, I had just published my book in July, my first book in July of 2017. And, um, kind of had a foot in basketball, kind of had a foot out of it, didn't really know if I wanted to keep playing. And so I went to um, an exposure camp uh, right before I published my book. Um, didn't really hear much back from any of the scouts or the coaches that I was talking to. So I think December rolled around, November or December rolled around and started to do other things and um, was kind of getting into the business world. And I got, a, got an opportunity to go play in Morocco and kind of came out of nowhere, um, but I wanted I wanted to do it. And so um, worked with the agent for a couple of weeks, got the deal set up, was you know ready to go, bags packed and everything. Uh, two days or three days before Christmas, I got a call uh, or email from the team basically saying, we don't want you, we want a big man. And, you know, we voided, voided the contract, canceled the flight, everything. And I remember, being in the house, reading that email and just being like, I'm done, I'm done. It, it was just, it was in my heart, my heart more than anything just told me like, I've had an amazing time playing basketball. Like I've met, made great relationships. Um, it's taken me all over the world, obviously. Um, sport has been great to me, but in my heart, I just felt like it was the right time to move on, to do other things, to, pursue a greater purpose in the world. And so at that moment, I just decided to walk away. So December of 2017, I officially, I officially called it quits and, and hung up the jersey. Lemons recognized that his passion for basketball had dwindled while his life had been sculpted by the sport for so long. I could still very much play basketball, like I'm healthy and everything. Um, and so I made a conscious decision to walk away. And I think for athletes who do that, there's still part of you that's like, I still want to get out there. But the, the way that I knew I was done was that I took a week off. I didn't do anything. I didn't lift. I didn't train. I didn't pick up a basketball. And I was completely content with it. And I told myself, if I could go a week without doing anything and feel fine and feel okay and not miss the game, then it's ready to me, ready for me. It's time for me to move on because you can't be a professional at anything taking a week off. You know, you, that, that means you're not passionate about it. So if you're not willing to put the energy, the time, the effort into the craft, into the process, you need to be doing something else. So I, I tell all athletes, like, if you can go at minimum, like three days, um, you know, not doing anything, it's time for you to figure, figure it out, F figure out what your next step is going to be, or at least starting to putting a plan into place. Um, because you know you're not going to be able to compete if you if you're not putting in the in the in the work, and so that that's how you know it worked for me. And I think I think that advice is applicable to any sport. 
Um, but then I think it's also important for athletes to understand that even though that may be the case and, you know, you, you, you feel like, you know, it's time to, to walk away, that process is still going to be challenging because in your, you've been an athlete, your identity has been tied to your sport for so long. Um, disassociating yourself from that is, is going to take, you know, a, a lot of time and patience with yourself, with yourself, patient with the, with the process and really just understanding that it's not going to happen overnight, that whatever career you step into the next or whatever passion you have, um, you're starting back from ground zero. Like for me, it, it may have been like, been like I felt burnt out or I was just tired of the process of trying to like, you know, get it signed with the agent and, and you know, figure out, you know, how to, how to get a contract overseas and navigating the business side of it. That could have been part of it. Um, it was, it was definitely a different feeling. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's with anything in life. Like if you, I mean, I'll keep going back to like the passion having to be there. Like if you just don't feel that drive or that itch, like you can't overjudge yourself. Like that's just how you feel. And you just got to be in tune with that and understand that, you know, you need to find that next thing that that's going to give you that itch. It's going to give you that drive and that inspiration to, to pursue it at the highest levels. Because whatever you're going to do, um, there's no use in doing it if you're not going to give it your all and try to be great at it. When Lemons left the sport, he had a business management degree to fall back on. He decided to focus on getting collegiate athletes the career opportunities outside of their sports that he never had. He placed himself in a position to mentor athletes on how to build their personal brands from and away from their sports. I think just having that conversation and getting athletes to understand that being an athlete is not going to be forever. Um, it's a short window of your life, but what are you, what are you going to do? What proactive steps are you going to take to prepare yourself for that transition? Um, and even just providing some more support from a, from a career development perspective and bringing some of the, the resources on the campus to maybe talk to the athletes about what that transition could look like for them. Lemons also acknowledges that the landscape surrounding student-athlete brands will forever be changed with the addition of name-image likeness. Following a June meeting of the NCAA's Division I Council, NIL is slated to roll out July 1st. I think when it comes to NIL and student-athletes being able to um, monetize their name, image, and likeness, um, to me that's much more of a civil rights issue than anything else as I look at collegiate athletics and uh, I mean, we live in a capitalistic society, you know, every every other person in this country is able to make money off of their name, except for the student athlete, from my knowledge. So when you know, you have student athletes who are put on posters on campus, who are on television, who the schools are making millions and millions of dollars off of, who the coaches are making millions of dollars off of, the student athletes are doing all of all, most of the work that that dynamic doesn't, it's not right. And so I think whether it's preparing for life after sports or, you know, just giving these student athletes an opportunity to make a couple dollars to, you know, if they want to go out, they have a free weekend to go out and just have a good time or to send some money back home, you know, they should be allowed to do that. And so, you know, it's not about these athletes making six and seven figures, um, you know, in, in endorsements or, brand partnership deals like this is much more to me about one giving them skills that they could uh utilize during the athletic careers that are going to prepare them for their future um business skills so utilizing their platform their brands to create opportunities i think that's a, a skill that's going to help them going forward but also 
maybe it's just putting a couple of dollars in their pockets. So like I said, so them, so they can have a good time or, um, you know, my roommate in college had a kid, you know, he's not able to support his son um, because he's a student athlete. But if he played during this era where we're now about to step into the NIL landscape, maybe that th those couple of dollars could help, you know, his son eat. And so I look at it from that dynamic, like this is much more about just humanity and giving student athletes the opportunity to do what every other person in this country is able to do. The NCAA's plan incorporates two categories, third-party endorsements and student-athlete compensation through collaboration with products and businesses. Lemon says that these pillars are intentionally vague. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to what name, image, and likeness is going to look like. Um, but in, the, in any event, I think we're, we're all doing the right things by moving towards a world where, where it should be allowed. Like, this is basic, like, capitalism 101. Like, you should be allowed to profit off of your name. And so, as I said, being, as, you know, being a student athlete shouldn't deter you from being able to do that. And I think the NCAA um, is pushing back on that. Obviously, they want to um, keep it amateurism. Um, but, you know, this is, this is a fight that's been going on for years, and I think we're um, almost on the other side of it in a positive way. Lemons published a second book on brand management, which serves to direct student athletes through the beginning of the NIL age. I published that book last year in 2020, and I think the timing couldn't be any better with name, image, and likeness. And um, it's really just to, to help athletes understand this whole landscape, understand the world that we're, the world that we're living in today, um, and how to make the most out of that opportunity because it's a very short period of your life. But if you can strike while the iron's hot, um, you know, you can create something that lasts in perpetuity. And so that's what I really want athletes to understand with Impact Beyond the Game. Impact Beyond the Game details how athletes can craft their public persona correctly and use the reach of social media to their advantage. These athletes' brands are being built right now. Whether they're profiting off of them or not, like every athlete, almost every athlete is on social media. They're putting out content. People know who they are. Um, and, and so everything that they're posting or that they're saying or that they're, every person that they're interacting, that's either, you know, detracting or adding to their brand. Now it's about giving them the resources, the knowledge, the tools so that they understand what's right from wrong. Um, and so I think that that's going to be a hurdle, um, obviously. And, and then you have to, to factor in financial literacy. Um, I think mental health is also going to be a major component in this. Um, taxes. I mean, these are things athletes are going to have to understand. Um, but these are things everyone has to understand when they step into the real world. So I think going back to preparing them and giving them skills that are going to be useful for life, um, it's going to be beneficial in that regard if, student, if universities can implement these programs and, and give that support. During Lemons' time in collegiate athletics, watching how athlete mental health was viewed he realized that there was a void in the conversations surrounding emotions and well-being. When it comes to you know, athletes being able to be open and, and to talk about the things that they're going through, um, it, it starts with you know, the people at the top, the people who are around athletes, the administration, the coaches, the parents, um, and their understanding of mental health and how your mindset plays a, a huge part in how successful that you're gonna be in or out of sports. Um, the more that we educate those people who are 
indirect contact with athletes on a daily basis, um, the more that they are capable to provide support and to know, to understand the triggers, to understand uh, what it looks like when an athlete might be struggling or dealing with something internally. Because the, another challenging aspect of mental health is that you can't see it. And I think that's the, really the challenging part uh, with physical injuries. Like a coach can see like, oh, you're, you have you know, an ankle injury or your knee is hurt and we're going to sit you out. We're going to um, you know, you're going to take some time off and, and go to rehab. Whereas, you know, with anxiety attack or some type of performance issue that you can't really see with an athlete, it's hard for a coach to understand that because they can't really, it's not tangible. Lemon says that educating coaches on the kind of language surrounding mental health and certain body language cues will assist in closing that gap. It's very challenging. Um, I had an old school coach in, in college and he was stuck in his ways. He believed what he believed. And there was very little anyone can, could say to change his mind about, you know, what he what he felt was right. And so I think for me personally, um, it, it's, it's really important for these athletes to have someone else in their support system, um, someone else around them who they can talk to, who you can trust, um, who can help you kind of guide, guide you through that, that situation um, or that, that relationship dynamic with the coach whether that's a parent or um, a, your high school coach or a family friend or you know one of your personal friends, just ha having like a sounding board or someone who you could um, you know, work through that problem with, I think is very important um, to kind of do when it comes to that. Cause like I said, it's just very difficult when you have old school coaches who are stuck in their ways and they just, they've been doing it one way for so long and nothing is gonna change their mind. So. It's hard, um, but ha having that person in your corner who you can you know, talk to or at least try to help you figure out what to do, I think is really crucial. In an effort to combat the lack of dialogue surrounding mental health for student athletes, Lemons founded Athletes Unheard as a platform to share stories of triumphs and tribulations. Athletes Unheard kind of came to me uh, mainly because I started to recognize some of the struggles that I had with mental health and how it was something that I never paid attention to, um, you know, probably not until I retired from basketball. I don't think mental health was a term I even heard until I was done playing. Um, and so looking in hindsight, um, not knowing how to deal with emotions growing up, you know, having this athlete mindset of like, I can handle anything and, and you know, get through anything on my own and, and disassociating my feelings or my emotions and just being stoic. Um, that is really what athletes are taught. It's this mental toughness, this, this, this tunnel vision on just getting the job done. Um, and I think that's, that can be advantageous to your athletic career, um, but that's not how humans operate in the real world. Like emotions play a part in life. And so understanding that about myself um, and even experiencing like severe anxiety once I retired and having to deal with that and that being exasperated due to like COVID um, and then seeing like the amount of athletes who are also struggling with depression and anxiety and um, other struggles. Um, I didn't really feel like personally that these conversations around mindset, mental health, mental wellness was being had at a high enough level. And I always think back to the to the quote of like, 90% of sports is mental, 10% is physical, but majority of athletes spend all of their time on the physical aspect. 
So it's like, why are we not taking a more proactive approach to mental fitness, to mental health, to mental wellness, to ensuring that athletes are not only, um, you know, in a mental capacity to perform at the highest levels on the playing field, but also off of it. And that's really the birth of Athletes Unheard. I wanted to have a place where athletes are having these conversations that, you know, they can just be open and candid about their experiences, whether that's positive or negative with mental health, um, what they think about it. And furthermore, just become more educated about the topic, because I think a lot of the stigma is that, you know, we don't understand certain terminologies and definitions of mental health. When people hear mental health, they cringe because they associate it with mental illness and they're not the same. So it's debunking some of those um, some of those words that we use around it, um, but also just giving athletes a place where you can share your story. You're not going to get criticized or judged or, um, you know, you can be as transparent as, as you want. And we're here to build a community and to support you and to help you throughout your journey, um, whether you, you are an athlete for the next 10 years of your life or you retire tomorrow. Like this is a place where athletes can come and just be open about mental health. And so um, we're very big on storytelling and um, just trying to create a community that's a catalyst for a movement that, frankly, I think should have happened years ago, but we're here now. And I'm, I'm very optimistic about where the mental you know, health and wellness space is moving as it pertains to just sports in general. A safe space on the internet to connect with other athletes working through their own mental health struggles. Athletes Unheard also has a text line. Text 202-918-3450 for inspirational texts, daily motivation, and mindset advice. Basically, you know, just stay in direct communication if athletes have any questions or, um, you know, just want feedback for something that they're going through. Not that we try to replace being a therapist or anything of that nature, but um, just being an additional, you know, sounding board or support to, to younger athletes. Um, you know, I think the text platform is going to be huge in that regard. So that's something I'm... I'm actively trying to build out day in and day out and, and feel like it has a lot of potential going forward. Watching the improvement of the athlete mental health space, especially at the professional level, Lemons feels confident that his work with Athletes Unheard will resonate and help move the industry forward. As I said before, like when you look at the some of the moves that are being made around these teams and these organizations and these unions and these leagues, like we're definitely making some headway as far as you know how we view mental health what steps needs to be taken in terms of just making sure that these athletes are getting what they need to perform. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, you know, inspired and encouraged to continue doing what I'm doing because I see the, the impact that it's making um, and, and how it's trickling down from the, the, the best leagues in the world, the best teams in the world, and, and even more how, how these athletes are speaking out. You know, I give a lot of credit to DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love and Liz Cambage and um, the numerous athletes that, you know, that I haven't named, um, they're, they're using their platforms, their voices to speak out um, and to, to talk, you know, about their, their struggles. I think that's that's inspiring and encouraging other athletes to do the same and, and really helping our cause. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of it and um, can't wait to see, you know, what this what this landscape will look like in the next several years to come. If the industry continues to promote conversations surrounding the intersection of sport and mental health, Lemon says that he can see devoting his life to athletes unhurt. The platform is new and the sky is the limit. That's that's been my focus. It's it's what I want to grow. It's the the brand that I, you know, if, if it, you know, meets the expectations or the vision that I have for it, um, you know, I I have high hopes for where I can take it. And so 
I'm really bullish on the the whole mental health movement within sports and um, I think athletes on her can play a major part in that. So that's really, you know, what I've head down been, been doing for the past several months, trying to grow day in and day out and um, just hoping that I can make a difference in, in the world of, of sports and, and in a lot of athletes lives. So. If you're interested in following along with Lemons and his work, you can follow Athletes Unhurt on Instagram at Athletes Unhurt and on the web at www.athletesunhurt.com. While you're on Instagram following that account, head over to at Closer Mental and give us a follow if you like what you're hearing. Thanks so much for listening to the 18th episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. See you next week.